Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's the Alternative? I'm your Tyler, you're the listener, and I'm your host. Jeez, I stumbled through that one, didn't I? And uh, this is the final update from the ACT Expo. It is day four, everything is wrapped up, and I am exhausted. Um, It has been a very long week, a very, very, very long week, Uh, but it's been a good week. So um, if you don't know what ACT Expo is and what I'm doing here, um, me neither. I don't know what I'm doing either. Uh, but there is a an explainer in the uh, day one episode, so I definitely recommend you go back to that. Um, but let's be honest, you see day one, two, three, four, you're not starting at day four. So I'm sure that all of you have started from the beginning, and now you're here. So um, today was really, uh, the Expo Hall is closed the, um, you know, it was just a couple workshops. So it was more, uh, very like lesson focused. It was much more for teaching, um, fleets and infrastructure installers and such. Um, you know, kind of what's coming in the industry, how uh, to best operate, how to best do things, you know, best practices, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so there wasn't really a huge amount for me to report, right? Um, my notes today were very, very, very short compared to the last few days. So this is probably going to be a bit of a short um, description of what happened today. And then I think I've got a couple of thoughts that I just want to kind of round out the whole week with. Um, I don't think I'll be doing a summary episode of the Expo because I think that the Daily, sh- um, the Daily Show uh, with Trevor Noah, I think is the guy. No, the, the Daily Updates probably have covered basically everything that I have to say about ACT Expo um, outside of a professional context. And, and that stuff is not relevant to the podcast, really. So... Um, Really, a couple of things that stood out to me today um, was one description by a company, uh, Prologus Ventures. They um, basically build a bunch of warehouses for fleets to operate out of or for um, companies to operate within and, and out of. Um, so they're, they're a huge, huge, huge warehouse manufacturer globally. Um, and they were talking about the fact that they've now added to their portfolio over the last couple of years um, the ability to do electric vehicle charging installations to support fleets and that sort of stuff and kind of wrap it into their cost. And kind of the neat thing is that they are looping all the infrastructure costs and all the electricity costs, from my understanding, into um, a single um, dollars per kilowatt hour served or dollars per mile supported cost for the end user, which is kind of interesting. It's really, really neat. They're doing a lot of um, solar installations plus battery uh, storage to support these chargers to kind of smooth out the utility side, you know, demand charges like we've talked about a lot on this show before. Um, and he described one particular future build that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, there's a bunch of stats here. I don't think I have a huge amount to like really dig into and take away from it, but I thought y'all might be interested in hearing these stats. And I'll, I'll put them down in the show notes below uh, just because I find them really interesting. Uh, the future build is going to have two and a half megawatts of charging output. Um, he didn't describe how many charging plugs this will go. This will be spread over, um, but it's going to be two and a half megawatts of charging, and it'll support twenty-two class eight trucks. So that is roughly a hundred kilowatts per truck, um, roundabout in that ballpark. So that that's a pretty reasonable charging speed. That's what most of these trucks are kind of accepting. Uh, say hello to the very loud car right outside my window. Uh, the joys of recording in a hotel room. Um, so about 100 kilowatts per, per truck, which is, is again, basically in the rough ballpark you'd expect. Uh, it's 4 million kilowatt hours of annual output is what they're expecting. Uh, so 4 million kilowatt hours is 4 gigawatt hours of electricity, which is an incredible amount of electricity. And they expect these trucks to drive 1,760,000 miles per year, um, which is a lot. That is a lot of miles supported. 
Uh, and then they said that the offset or the um, greenhouse gas reductions will be 5,695 tons annually, which is a, a pretty pretty big deal. But that's a really interesting project. Um, but those numbers are, kind of give you a good scale. I think that that's just an interesting thing to, to look at. Um, that'll give you a scale of what these these installations look like when you're trying to support 22, you know, 50, 100 trucks on on some chargers. And we'll talk a little bit about that the scale of charging in, in a couple minutes. Um, but I thought that was really, really interesting. A couple of stats about some companies' uh, sustainability goals. And I spoke today. Uh, a person from from FedEx spoke and said that they have the goal of 100 electric vehicle, 100 percent electric vehicle purchases by 2030. So they'll only produce or only purchase uh, EVs um, after the year 2030, and they expect to have a 100 percent electric vehicle fleet by 2040, uh, which about makes sense. About a, a ten, 10 year replacement schedule for vehicles. Uh, means you're replacing 10% of your fleet every year, and that checks out to taking a decade from start of purchase to um, to your goal, right? And that's, that's probably actually longer lifetime than 10 years because they'll start EV purchases or they have started EV purchases um, in advance of 2030, so they'll already have old EVs in their fleet. Um, but that, that roughly checks out with kind of what people assume as the average fleet turnover rate. Uh, somebody spoke from PepsiCo, it was Emily Conway, their fleet sustainability director. Um, she said that they have the goal of 75% reduction in their emissions by 2030, which is pretty pretty aggressive, so that's exciting. And there was some more discussion later on in the, the show, different panels, about um, different experiences with actually... Um, with actually using class eight and, you know, these large trucks on, on the road, these large electric trucks on the road, there, there are quite a bit of them on the road already, um, which may surprise a lot of people. Um, well, one person, uh, runs a drayage company, you know, doing port to work with class eight, uh, tractors. And, uh, they said that the, the real target, like range is in a 250 to 300 mile ballpark for these things. They're already getting about 200 miles on a charge, uh, roundabout. But that's, that's just kind of shy of where they need to be for a lot of their operations. Um, they're still making that work, which is kind of interesting. And they've purchased, I think they've got a hundred, uh, electric trucks coming, which is a massive, massive purchase. Um, but they say really they need, we need to just push a little bit further with the technology, not a huge amount further, really. That's, that's a 25% or so improvement. Um, and that, that seems like it should be doable. So I thought that was just an interesting thing to have a, a fleet directly give an actual number for what the, what the target range is. Uh, there's also a lot of discussion about maintenance with these electric trucks. You know, the presumption is that maintenance will be lower on electric vehicles. Um, and that, you know, that should be true, right? It's, they're fewer moving parts. They're, they're much simpler. Um, electric motors are an incredibly well-known technology. It's all, um, you know, most of the vehicles solid state at that point, you don't have nearly as many, um, you know, bearings and, and all that sort of stuff to go down seals, coolant, all that sort of stuff. Um, but they're also kind of new vehicles, right? So there's a lot of growing pains associated with that. So you get a lot more, um, early failures and early maintenance items than you would once the, the trucks have kind of matured as a technology. Um, but they said even, even today, it seems like maintenance is basically at least at parity, um, with diesel trucks. Uh, maybe a little bit cheaper than them, but they expect it to be cheaper in the long run um, as we move forward. They, they they definitely expect that, which is which is not surprising. I think that's what kind of everybody expects. And then um, 
there was a really fun comment that somebody made that I hadn't heard before, but um, they were talking about all these new vehicles coming online that are kind of first generation, they're pre-production and all that. Uh, and they said it's, it's difficult to take those vehicles and really extrapolate much from them and from their performance um, because uh, if it's a, a handmade vehicle and it works perfectly, it worked because it's handmade. If it failed, it failed because it's handmade. <laughs> And uh, and I think that that's actually a really good um, that's a really good quote. That's kind of exactly it, right? Uh, when they're handmade and hand delivered to a customer, um, sometimes that results in them being just exquisitely put together. Uh, but that also sometimes causes flaws down the line. I just thought that was a really interesting quote and, and very true with a lot of these um, these demos that you're seeing going around. And then we're talking about the charging scale earlier, the, tr- the actual scale of, of charging these trucks. Um, Somebody mentioned, you know, a hundred trucks charging at at a hundred kilowatts. It doesn't really matter if it's trucks or cars, but charging at a hundred kilowatts is ten megawatts of power, which is an incredible amount of power. They said it's it's equivalent to about the the load of a small town. Um, now they didn't define small town. Um, small town in a Los Angeles context is probably very different from a small town in a Louisiana context. But uh, regardless, you know, comparing it to an entire town is is massive, right? And I think that the takeaway that a lot of people take from that is um, is that, you know, these things just use an absolutely incredible amount of power. Like, it's, it's bonkers. Um, and that, that's true. That's very true, and it's a very important thing to think about. You know, we're going to have to very much scale up our electricity grid to be able to support all of that. Um, somebody mentioned it. It's, it's kind of bonkers to think about. But, um, you know, if you have all the fleets in Los Angeles County switching over to 100% electric, now you have thousands of small towns that have just sprung up within within Los Angeles. Um, and that is, that's crazy to think about, right? That is absolutely crazy to think about. So I thought that was a, a really interesting point. Um, but I think that the thing that we really need to be thinking more about with that, or maybe not more, but another side of that that we, we should be considering is um, is we should, we should kind of switch over our way of thinking a little bit to considering petroleum usage in transportation and, and through internal combustion and that sort of stuff uh, as another energy source, right? Uh, that is part of our energy system. When we think about our energy system in, in the country, I think we often think about exclusively electricity generation, right? Because that's the energy that we kind of all we see. We get an energy bill at the end of the um, at the end of the month. And I think that that's kind of the tangible way we think about energy as a thing. But our transportation is actually probably more energy than, than you use for um, a lot of other things for your home even. You know, if you burn one gallon of gas a day, uh, that that's 31.7 or something kilowatt hours of, of energy. And that's only like 30 miles of driving, right? And people do that on their commute all the time. But, you know, the daily household usage is probably in the 20 kilowatt hour ballpark. So even that is using more energy than your home did just from driving your, your daily commute, which is, is kind of crazy to think about, right? That, that's kind of bonkers. Uh, I don't think that many people kind of have that conceptual, conceptualization in their head that, that that is, is what's happening there. And I wanted to look at um, just a little bit of rough math with the, the comparison of charging all these trucks to fueling your car and how much power you're putting into your car. You know, power is just the amount of energy um, divided by the amount of time it took, right? It's the rate of energy flow. So if you're pouring gasoline, which is about 30 kilowatt hours of energy into your car, and maybe your car has a, um, a 10 gallon gas tank, that's, that's 300 kilowatt hours, right? Um, roundabout. So 300 kilowatt hours 
over, say it even takes 10 minutes to fuel your car, to make the math simple for my, my brain. Um, if it took 10 minutes to, to fuel your car, that's still, um, that's like 300 kilowatt hours times, times six. That's 18, that's 1.8 megawatts. 1.8 megawatts, right? That is an incredible amount of power. That is more power than, um, you know, than, than any really vehicle on the road can could possibly accept. Um, you know, even in the, the most wild test labs that are happening, 1.8 megawatts is, is absolutely insane. So it's just to kind of contextualize that. And then you're actually using, you know, you're doing it in five minutes or three or four minutes or something like that. So you're looking at 3.6 megawatts of power going through a gas pump. And that's kind of insane, right? Like, that's really incredible. Uh, so I just think that's a fun little framing, uh, just a fun way of thinking about it that, um, you know, makes it seem a lot more interesting to me that, you know, we're using energy much more efficiently in electric vehicles. Uh, the, the power delivery issue is very, very real. It's a very, very real issue that we need to solve. Um, but at the end of the day, we end up using significantly less energy than we otherwise would. And I just think that's kind of an interesting way to think about it. Uh, it doesn't matter a huge amount, I guess. Um, but I find it very interesting. I think about energy efficiency kind of on a global scale quite often, and I like thinking about those liquid fuels as being proper energy and not just a uh, kind of a commodity, right? Like we kind of think about it. And I think the last thing um, that was really d- discussed today that are two things, actually, I'm looking at my notes, um, that I wanted to just mention here as kind of factoids that I learned. Um, there was a discussion about the Run on Less program by NACFI, which is the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. Uh, they've done a few tests. I think we may have talked about them on a podcast before. They've done a few tests where they they really push fleets to be as efficient as possible and test out some technologies uh, to improve the efficiency of their their trucks, including their diesel trucks, not just moving towards electric or whatever. And uh, they were able to get diesel trucks running at 10.1 miles per gallon on long haul trips. And like the average is in like the five mile per gallon area for the average truck which is absolutely crazy. Um, for a regional haul, they got to 8.3 miles per gallon, which again is, is probably about double what the average is. And I think efforts like this that don't require completely switching a vehicle out for a new technology, um, but just improve the utility of what we already have today on the road um, is a great way to kind of get started on decarbonizing and, um, and reducing our impact without having to go through these expensive channels um, and you know, replacing vehicles before their end of life, before their natural end of life. And then one more thing on the maintenance topic, um, the uh, gentleman from um, NFI, the, the drayage company, mentioned that Volvo is offering a six-year maintenance plan for about sixty percent under cost, um, under the cost of their expect their monthly maintenance for diesel vehicles. So um, they kind of use this as a say, as a point to say like Volvo is really betting on the maintenance being low for these vehicles. Uh, and, and that being like a real tangible benefit, and they're offering a pretty aggressive maintenance plan that is very, very affordable for these fleets. So that's just kind of an interesting way that the companies are actually sort of pushing this sort of thing and, and kind of betting big on it. So uh, that's all I had from today's sessions, and I'm kind of thinking back on the week. And um, my only real, I think, takeaways, honestly, apart from some of the, the professional stuff that I did, um, that's again not re- not really terribly relevant here. Um, is that there was a lot of the marketing stuff that I expected. It was a lot of buzzwords and marketing. I think I talked about that yesterday uh, with that wonderful quote about um, materialities and and all that sort of stuff and stakeholders. Uh, and that was kind of frustrating. There was just a ton of buzzwords and, and marketing speech and stuff that wasn't very tangible. Um, but another thing that 
was really surprising is just how much enthusiasm there was for everything. Um, people seemed really, really gung ho about it. You know, there uh, ended up turning out that there was 8,750 uh, plus attendees this year, which is absolutely insane. Uh, there was 5,000 last year for for reference, and that was the biggest year they'd had yet. So um, this is absolutely crazy. They're moving to Anaheim next year so that they have a larger convention center to support this number of people. Um, and I think that that's really just only growing. So it was a really successful event in so many ways. And it's really neat to have, I don't know, so much enthusiasm from so many companies from all across the world in the same room, uh, same rooms talking about all of this stuff and kind of getting jazzed about it. So uh, I think I walk away with a pretty positive outlook. Um, some of the ca- kind of case studies I heard today and um, kind of descriptions of actual experience with these trucks on the road uh, filled me with a lot of optimism which is really nice at these events. You know, I'm still very, um, I still have all my skepticisms, but it was nice for at least a day to have like an entire entire day just devoted to celebrating the success of the industry and how positive things look for the future. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic in general, so it was nice to have a little bit of, of respite from the constant negativity that we have in these industries, especially from, from kind of people on the outside looking in, but even some from people on the inside. So... I was really excited about that. And um, yeah, I think that that's probably all I have. I don't think I have very many other takeaways from Act Expo. It was a good it was a good show. It was nice to be around people again, even though it made me very nervous. And I've been doing at-home tests very regularly. Um, I'm going to do one tomorrow before my flight back home. And um, and pray that, that, you know, this doesn't turn into a big spreader event. It uh, it worries me a lot. But, um, but I like to think that like to think that people were being responsible and are all vaccinated and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully it is okay. It is, we're in that weird transition period where things are happening again. And uh, transition periods are very weird. We're seeing that with electric vehicles and we're seeing it with COVID. So fun times were had by all. Well, with that, I want to give a really quick thank you before signing off to the people who support on Patreon. Uh, you are all lovely and I really appreciate it. Uh, for any of you who are interested in supporting on Patreon, there is a link down in the show notes below. And a huge shout out to our executive producer, Chris. Thank you so much. You know I appreciate it. It's lovely. And um, you can also review the podcast on Podchaser if you're interested in doing such a thing. Uh, that link is down in the show notes below. It's kind of a place for people to go actually look up podcasts. And podcasts do still spread largely through word of mouth, uh, which is bonkers. And I've said the word bonkers a million times in this episode. Uh, somebody's going to count count the number and that'll be amazing. But uh, yeah, yeah, you can do that down there if you want. You can go leave a review if you are interested. You don't have to do that, though. I probably wouldn't do it. I'm lazy. So with that, I'll catch you again next time in probably a weekly update news uh, show. <laughs> I need to get back to that. I've, I've got too many emails to catch up on, so we'll see when that comes out. Uh, but whenever you uh, listen again, because you inevitably will, Let's be honest, what's the alternative?